You're listening to a DM podcast. Ladies and gentlemen, I introduce to you the podcast with the best banter, greatest gut feels, and most ridiculous narratives on planet Earth. Get ready to dominate the NRL fantasy season with the team from Top King League. G'day guys, welcome to Talking League and our early fantasy previews. We're going to be ending our fantasy previews with the Rabbitohs, Roosters, Dragons and Tigers. I'm your host TK, I've got Brenton in the house for me, man. Brenton, you're looking pretty, you're, after your little metal concerts and you've got your NBA jersey on, you've just told me you've been to the gym taking pre-workout, I can see the guns happening, you're fired up mate. So, yeah, where do you get the water to fill these guns up, mate? Um, no, the music festival was unreal. Um, stinking hot day, but I was pretty lucky to – all the bands I wanted to see early in the day were all undercover in the shade. Yeah. So all the people who were sweltering on the main stages in 36-degree heat, um, I got to avoid most of that. Yeah, so, it, mate, it is well and truly the season for festivals. And yesterday in Sydney, it was like 43 degrees, and there were eight, two yesterday. So yeah, hopefully a lot of people are okay. But, mate, I, I can't do that anymore, bro. Yeah, I, I still glutton for punishment on those things. But, um, <laughs> yeah, just just be prepared, lots of sunscreen, and um, find a shady spot and drink plenty of water, and you'll be sweet. There you go. Got all the tips there. Well, ladies and gentlemen, like I said, we're going to go Rabbitohs, Roosters, Dragons, Tigers today. If you haven't yet, we've done all the other teams. Last week's episodes was the Wires, Cowboys, Eels, and Panthers. Also, Talking Sport with Jace Rich. We've got Chris and Jakey. They have a look at sport, and that's released every Tuesday morning right through the preseason. So definitely check that out. A little bit different with a little bit of talk about American sports, cricket, and all the other things. Talking shit from time to time, we do that also in the preseason. So just check out the channel for all the details. Now, B, we've got heaps of NRL news in our last week in in the studio today, but let's rip in, mate. Tohu Harris is a... is the first one, and some good news. He's extended to 2025, which, given that it's probably going to be SJ's last season and Adam Fenor Blake on the way out, that's definitely a leader that they did need to secure. But we did talk in last week's episode of potentially him maybe getting a reduced-minute role, but still in the same thought thought process there? Yeah, 100%. I think he's going to be that 50- to 60-minute role, especially if you've got a healthy Jazz on the bench, who you can fill into that 13. Um, I do think from a Warriors football perspective he was a must sign um he's essentially the spiritual leader the captain um and as you said with all that experience leaving after next year um they're going to need him to to usher in that new era so um i think it's a good re-signing but um i think it's going to be a steer clear for fantasy yeah now mate the next one we might have a bit of a brawl about this one and we're talking about adam Fanua <laughs> blake now you've got your doggies hat on here but mate apparently the sharks have entered the race for the dalian prop of the year which is interesting because they did get let grow of Connor Tracy and Matt Moylan, which has freed up $500,000, plus Dal Finucane's reduced rate from next year. But interesting that a top eight team has now entered the race. Does that kind of make you a little bit insecure around maybe the doggies' chances here, mate? Uh, well, I, I, I don't think there's any real clear-cut winner in... Um uh, who's going to be uh, getting Adam Fanor Blake just yet because he hasn't really toured the facilities as much as he probably needs to. Needs to get pitched probably a little bit more. Yeah. Um, so I, th- I think it's still all up in the air. I think the Sharks have a red-hot 
go at it. Because um, yeah, has Delphinukan actually signed a reduced deal, or yeah, is yeah. it just it's, presumed that he will? No, no, it's, it's true. So he goes into like a fifty percent deal in his final season. Ah, oh, okay, cool. I didn't know that. So. Look, they've they've got the funds there, um, and I I think the ti- is it the Tigers who've already given him a formal offer as well, like four years for a million dollars a year. So mm. he's not going to be short on the money. Um, he's going to be like one of the best paid props, and deservedly so. Um, I th- I think it's just going to be who's going to throw the most cash at him. To be honest, yeah. Did you see the shopping list of the Warriors who they want in exchange? I think it's being a little bit unrealistic. Like they're going for guys yeah, like Kit Gow and IPAP. They're not going to get a player of that quality. They're not going to get them. What I think they're going to probably get is, uh, and we've talked about this plenty of times, is uh, they're going to get like a $500,000 player and yep. maybe like an uh, up-and-coming junior. So whoever's got the best nursery and juniors might have the best shot. Mm. Um, but we'll see, I guess. Well, that's the thing. You don't really want to keep a disgruntled player more than one year. and They've agreed to have that final year, which is good for both parties. But I think past that point that... Their leverage is gone. So, like you said, yeah, the, I just can't see them the, getting the leverage, an elite guy. The, the leverage is gone, and the other clubs have to know it. So, um, you know, who, who else are the players from those clubs that you might offer? Like, let's go to the Bulldogs. You could think like a Raymond Fatala Mariner who has played at the Warriors before mm. um, and a player who'd be willing to move back over to New Zealand as well. Like, that's the other thing you've got to think of. Yeah, big time. Now, mate, next one, the Wars have officially signed Kurt Capewell. So this is really interesting news because that's been on our radar for the last few weeks I do well we talked about this last week we do think that he'll probably start on an edge Murata will probably move into the mid of course he can also cover on the utility given that he can play in the backs as well so I think that's an easy move there man yeah easy done I think I think it's near Corey who goes to the bench um, to fill that utility role Mm. to a degree like through the middle through the edge or through center if he needs to like he did at Parramatta yeah, mate, injury news, uh, not great one. Dave Fafita, he's injured his pec. He's in doubt for round one, so it's quite serious. Also, Ryan Madison, he did his quad, so he's going to be sitting out the next month of training as well, so that's going to reduce his load into the Christmas break there as well, mate. But I guess we spoke about this a couple of weeks ago with the Titans having a lot of buys before. They're one of the first teams to finish their buys, and we're probably looking at maybe Fafita back end of the season, but... I think it's I think it's a not a bad one, especially for us classic players, because you know what it's like. We get close to the season B, and all of a sudden we know Fafita's the best edge in the comp, and then we rearrange our team so many times. Somehow he ends up in there. Like this is just a great way of just saying, well, we're totally going to avoid him in my 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 view. But yeah. your thoughts? Yeah, no, I totally agree. Um, I also think that we are spoiled for edge. We're going to be spoiled for mid range edges anyway, and you're going to need that time to for either Fafita's price to decrease a little bit mm. uh, or, for, or for your cashies to go up enough to start flipping them for the gun players. So um, Fafita is also a chance for origin. So I I think it's going to be a back-end play like round 17 to 20 that you'll pick him up. Yeah, I think for new draft players though, I'd still be pretty high on Fafita in the first round because at the end of the oh, day, yeah. you're, you're playing for an entire season through and you're going to need him come those semifinals and finals games to be tonning up. So I, I still think that he'd still be in the top 10 players to draft. Yeah, 100%. And if, if you're wanting to shore an edge position up where you know he's a clear 5 to 10 point favourite on that, then yeah, for draft, I think he's I think he'll go top 10. Now, mate, Des Hasler, he's come out early, backed Tanner Boyd, and Kieran Forum is his first choice halves here. I think we were expecting this one, but good to see him. he does put a little bit of confidence because I thought Tanner Boyd was one of the most improved players last year. Did some great things in fantasy there as well, and he's got a little bit of pressure coming from young uh, Weaver as well, but I think that I think it's just for round one for these two, considering they did a pretty good job last year, man. 
Yeah, and I think Tanner Boy was popular last year because of that dual tag, that uh, the hooker half. So um, they're both out of as for fantasy, they're going to be no goes for me. Mm. Um, maybe maybe later plays in draft um, or Tanner Boy, you might get in like round five or six if you're needing a half who you know is going to get you that forty five odd. But um, yeah, for classic, it's no go for me for both of them. I guess it kind of shuts the door, but on Brimo moving back to the halves, so it looks like it is a shootout with him and Jaden Campbell for that centre spot or fullback spot, right? Do you really yeah. whoever misses out does do they play centre now, man? I think I think Brimson's going to go to centre. I think they're going to give him a roaming role, kind of like a Joey Manu role. Yeah, uh, because I can only see Jaden Campbell at fullback. I Brimson's so versatile, being able to play in the halves, play fullback. So why couldn't he play centre? Um, especially if he's given that Romy role, he's got a better passing game. Um, so I see Jaden Campbell as the as the fullback and Brimson as the centre. Mate, Jaden Campbell, he's going to come in priced at 33. If he starts at fullback, I'll be all over that, despite them having that round two yeah. buy. Yeah, he's, he's penciled into my team right now, providing he gets that fullback role. Yeah, very one interesting one to track. Now, next one, mate, it was good to see a, a prop finally win Golden Boot because essentially we always, always see the pretty boys do it. But, mate, for mine, James Fisher-Harris, like you think about all the success he's had with Penrith over the last three years and – He's a huge part. He his ability to change the tempo of a game, like and his this combination with Moses Leota, I think is the best in the game. And yeah, yeah it's great when, to see him finally get re- recognised. When I when I used to watch prop forwards, like you know, it, they'd have to be a flashy prop for me to take real notice of him. And mm. so when when Penrith re-signed James Fisher Harris, because I think they signed him on like a four year deal at eight hundred k a year. I'm like, why? Like, why? What is the reason that they are paying eight hundred thousand dollars just for a front rower? Like, what is it that he is doing that is so special that sets him apart from you know your five six hundred thousand dollar decent front rowers? Yeah. Um, and it's only in the last couple of years where it's like. You know, you see how much no no one gets over the top of him, and he still just does his job. He's got a motor, he's got that aggression, he's a leader. There's so much that he's offering for that Panther squad, and I think he he very well deserves that um, that Golden Boot award for sure. Now moving to the Tigers, a couple of close ones to follow here. The first one, mate, David No for Luma. He's refusing to train at the moment over claims of mistreatment. Now they reckon that he's come back to training out of shape and he's not really putting in. That's what obviously is coming out of the Telegraph. Very interesting one to track here, man, because they are short on these outside backs to start with. Maybe Charlie Staines now pushes well in front of him now, man. Yeah, it could also be a play because I know he's on a fair bit of coin there. So is it a play to get him off the books so they can afford the Jerome Luai and the Adam Fanua Blakes that they're trying to make plays for. Yeah, good point. Um, so, yeah, don't know. Obviously, the Bulldogs went through their own thing with um, with the wrestling um, fiasco they were talking about. But at the end of the day, you're a professional footballer. You do the training you set out to do. Yeah, next one, mate, Brent Naden. Now, he talked about... So he only he played under 10 games last year, so not the happiest season. Also got a suspension, right? Now, he's had three off-season surgeries. Now, we've got the Tigers to talk about, and there is a bit of pressure coming from a young gun, but it's a very interesting one to track because essentially their outside backs right now are looking razor thin. Yeah, Brent Naden's also never been fantasy relevant. Even you know he'll score you one fifty, and then <laughs> people everyone, try. People try to make him relevant every people year. People try. He'll get one score of a fifty where it involves like three tries and seventeen line breaks, and he still only scores a fifty. And everyone's like, "Oh, he's a gun, and he's dual position, and I love him." And then you buy him, and it's like ten, ten, eight, <laughs> negative, four, negative eight. You know, so don't do it to yourself, listeners. Do not buy Brent Naden. 
regardless. Yeah, next one, mate. So your doggy land. Now, actually, before we go there, Sean Bloor, mate, he signed for Melbourne for 2015, which you, sorry, 2025, 2015. I'm going back in the future. But that's an interesting one to track because if someone signs for 2025, it generally, well, that does mean they want to leave, right? And there was always that talk about the swap deal with Olam. This maybe might be Melbourne just twisting their arms a bit because I can't see Olam making their 17. So really, they need an extra edge forward because already they're talking about moving Trent Liero, which I suggested a couple of weeks ago, into the mid. So they need Bloor probably more than they need Olam. So I do think, B, in the next couple of months, we're going to see a swap here, man. I hope so, because I, I, Sean Bloor is one of those guys where they're so touted in the juniors and just so amazing, and then all of a sudden just injury cruels him of his career, like his career moving forward, mm. as well as crueling us not being able to see what he can do. Um, you know, when he was playing that middle role in the Tigers, I still thought he was he was good, um, but I do think Edge is his spot. So, And we can see what um, Craig Bellamy can get out of those kind of players to bring them to the next level. He did it with Nick Meany and the outside backs. Um, even with the Ellie Katoa as well. Um, so I was going to say I'm, that, like the stability and the discipline of the Melbourne system to a player like him, to he could be thriving under that. He could be sitting on a left edge with Cameron Munster, two men. Oh, that's juicy. And who do you reckon is going to be centre there? Do you reckon Nick, Nick Meany will go to centre when Paps is back? Potentially, right? Young Tamanopia did a really, really good job there as well. And then we also had Seve also do a good job. So yeah. Brema Smith got yeah. injured, which puts him in the calculations to return as well. So they've got guys that I think are all ahead of Justin Olam, man. Yeah, well, Olam's not making it. But what I'm saying is if they've got that edge of Munster, Sean Bloor, let's say Nick Meany on the on there with Xavier Coates on the wing. Potentially, you know, that's, that's a good that's, edge. That's very good edge. So um, plenty of opportunities there for Bloor. I think he'll be probably priced out of oh, really for sure. fantasy relevance anyway. But yep. from a football perspective, I think him him in the purple will look really, really good. Definitely want to track more for the for the draft version of this game, that is for sure. Now, moving to your doggies, mate. Cam Serraldo, he had an interview just opening up about their signings. He's liking his utilities because he thinks that they don't have a huge amount of depth from last year and it was something that really hurt him. More positive news, Stephen Crichton has arrived to training very early, like a month early. So that's probably positive signs that he does want to contribute and really take a bit of a leadership role, I feel, man. Yeah, that, that interview was actually really, really good. And I, I like listening to Cameron Seraldo. I think he's got a long-term approach just like Gus, and he's not letting the pressures of immediate results get to him. Mm. Um, so I think that's probably his way of being, uh, I guess, guaranteed his job. Like He's not like, oh, you've got six weeks to start performing. It's like, no, this is a, a five-year commitment. That's how long he signed for. And so he probably won't see the fruits of his labor for two to three years. And the board knows that. Phil Gould knows that. So... He can start tinkering with his roster because you. There's not. Everyone says Bulldogs need front rowers, but there's none on the market. You know, apart from Fenel Blake for 2025, is there any that you want to go out and spend overs on? Mm. Probably not. So put faith in your development system. Put faith in the guys who are there. Like, you know, you got Max King, Ryan Sutton, and Liam Knight there, and you know they're not slouches. They're not world beaters, but you know if they if they go there, they do a job, put a good um, preseason in, then then you can get a job done for the year. Um, and then tinker your roster again next year. Yeah, the thing with Geraldo, he was never meant to be there last year. He came a year early. So that actually shows a a lot of guts on his part. So I'm willing to give him a couple of years just to actually turn it around because they are in a shit show at the moment. So there's always going to be a big turnaround. So, yeah, year two or three. I think year three will be more the year where I think you can start judging. 
Yeah, I agree. And I, I think if, if you go listen to that, it's on um, Spotify, on SEN. Um, I really like how there's competition for spots, but the only person they signed as a utility was Kurt Mann. Mm. They've, got a pl- they've got a plan for everyone else, not just the utility. They just want Kurt Mann as the 14. And I read this morning that he has left the biggest Im- um, imprint in training and everything. This is Kurt Mann um, out of all the new recruits. Yeah, well, setting they standards, ab- right? They absolutely love him there already. Absolutely. So. Experienced player, leader, so that's good to see. Now, you had some news about Phil Gould with Connor Tracy. It's been over-exaggerated or something. But- yeah, so um, I think it was Michelle Bishop came out and was saying that Connor Tracy's uh, calf injury was worse than first thought and he was going to be out for the first five to six rounds. Yeah. Uh, Gus has come out and quashed that both on Twitter um, and then I think it was Danny Widler who reported on it today. Mm. Um, they're saying that Connor Tracy's going to be right by Chris. Christmas. Okay, nice so one. It's been exaggerated. Um, so uh, I think that's going to also be better for fantasy in case you're looking at the Connor Tracy's or your Stephen Crichton's, depending on who gets the fullback, because I think they'll both get the dual position tag. No, I'm, I'm really keen to track the Bulldogs in the preseason. I think we're going to have to see some fantasy relevance out of them next year, man. Yep. Now, next, uh, Homole Olakowadu. He signed a $7.5 million eight-year extension, so he's locked in his future for quite a while, mate. Kind of going down this low, low track of these eight-year extensions. But an interesting one, there's no doubt that over the last couple of years he's become one of the elite edges, could maybe break into New South Wales origin next year potentially. But what's your thoughts on these long-year extensions here, B? Don't like it, and I don't like the amount that he signed for. Um, Do you think he's it's yeah. unders in eventually? Like, um, maybe, but has he? Is he really worth that? Like, you have a look at some of the other edges, like, um, like let's say Viliami Kickout, just because I'm Bulldogs fan, I know how much they signed for. Yeah, we got him. For, we got him for eight hundred grand, and everyone thought that was overs for an edge. Mm. The Tigers got IPAP for like six fifty, and everyone thought that might have been a little bit unders. But you know, if they'd signed him for a million dollars. He was he was second rower of the year, and Man. they got him for six hundred. So why would yeah. you spend a million dollars on this guy? Manly's got a weird got- system of doing their ways, right? They got Turbo, Gerbo, DCE, all over a million bucks. They got what yeah. Josh Schuster on eight hundred k or something. Yeah, Josh and then they've got him now on not nine hundred k. Like that's a yeah. lot of chunk of your salary. That's five players, literally half your salary cap. Yep, Ruben Garrick's also on about six hundred. Um, I, I presume Kohler will probably get a bit of a bump up after what he did last year at the back end fullback. It's a weird, um, it's a weird situation, man. Yeah, I don't know how they're, they're just going to fit it with plotters like Lachlan Croker just re-signed and he wouldn't have been on small money. Mm. So I, th- I actually think that this definitely puts them out of the race for Adam Fanua Blake as well because I know they were one of the clubs who people thought he might go back to. Yeah, now next one, mate, Josh Kerr up at the Dolphins. He's lost 10 kilos, man. He's targeting a spot, starting spot. When he did switch over from the Dragons, he actually made a bit of an impact coming from the bench. So I do expect, given that he can play an edge in mid, probably continue to play off the bench. But an interesting one here because there's always an opportunity up there at the Dolphins. They do have Tom Gilbert obviously coming back. They inherit now Tom Flegler from the Broncos, and then obviously Jesse Bromwich is their leader. So it's going to be a tough transition for him to make that team in the starting yeah, team. He's not making the starting team. Like, you know, uh, props to him for losing that much weight and um, having a having a dig and putting people on notice saying that he's come trying to come for their spots. But I just don't see it happening with um, with who they've got: Tom Gilbert, Connolly Lemuelu, uh, Jesse Bro- uh, Jesse Bromwich, Kenny Bromwich, Felice Kafusi, uh, Gilbert. You know, there's how many how many players you can't fit that many players on the on the pack park at one time. So um, I think he's going to be more of an impact player, probably thirty five to forty minutes, because Jesse Bromwich won't play as many minutes, um, mm. and I could see him pretty much going through the middle. 
B, the next one, Nathan Cleary returned to training this week and he's looking nice and happy and plenty. He's looking pretty fit, actually, for a guy who's been away for a few weeks. Now, he's revealed the extent of his PCL injury, which, mate, he would have been out for two months. And you see, he's had, he got that injury in the 10th minute of that grand final. So essentially, he was on one leg. And to see that performance, mate, that's out of this world, man. God. So my, my son loves all the Broncos players, knows all the Broncos players, but doesn't really know any other players yeah. except for Nathan Cleary. <laughs> and he just loves Nathan Cleary as well. And then I was like, yeah, look, he's a gun. I, I love him too. And then that, that came out with what he's done, not only to just play on for 70 minutes on that injury, but to put in a man-of-the-match performance, turn the game on its head and win a grand final. Yeah. Like that is that is next level. Um, I, I, think he will, I think he'll be the greatest halfback of all time ever. Yeah, man, it's great to see him back. We're talking first week of December. Like last year, he wasn't back until I think like first week of February. And they had sweet F all like preseason going into last year. And there's no doubt that the first couple of weeks in the normal season did affect him as well. Like he admitted during the week that they went on the cans till 4 a.m. that game before they played against St. Helens. So that just showed kind of how they were treating those games in the preseason, right? So. Who knows, mate? Nathan Cleary starting in December. We did talk about the relevance of probably taking him from round one, given they have the round 16 and 19 buys. So in my thoughts at the moment, I think I might be getting Cleary and Nico Hines, mate, from the start. I think, well, it, I think it depends on how much you fit you out in the rest of your squad. Like, ideally, if you can get the top three guys being Cleary, Hines, and uh, Payne Haas, mm. then you can probably... J- jig your team around but you know some people might think oh, I need to have a bit more of a gun hooker or I want to buy one gun center because they're a 500 grand back rower who I can get so that takes up an extra 200 grand of your salary cap from a cheapie so it depends on how you structure your squad um, I, I I don't disagree with it to be honest if you've got the salary cap room then happy days but I think if you've got to pick one I think Cleary is going to be your must have for the year mate as fun as Ben the Chin was on social media last year the anxiety of watching him play and not having him is yeah. just not worth it I don't think like it did it do my head in last year. it did my head in absolutely <laughs> hugely mate now next one we might get a cheapie out of this guy and now Chevy Stewart he did an interview with the Canberra Times he's looking to start at number one very interesting because last year he had a cracker year in the New South Wales Cup. I was a little bit disappointed in his New South Wales under-19s performance, but sometimes that does happen. You know, you don't get enough ball and things just don't go your way. But an interesting one here because I'd rather him than Xavier Savage start in a fantasy sense because he's going to come in at bottom dollar. Savage won't be expensive, but he won't be bottom dollar. So we do need every cent, I feel, man. Yeah, I agree. I've right now. I've got uh, Chevy Stewart as my one of my fullbacks with Jaden Campbell, and I'm tracking Ryan Pappenhausen in case he plays round one. I don't think he will, but it, um, Paps might be priced at a thirty six. So you're not spending too much on those positions, as we as we said last week. It's the the back five can be so volatile on what scores you're going to get, no matter who you are. So um, I don't think spending up on those uh, right now. Uh, is the play to go. Yeah, he averaged in New South Wales Cup from memory. I'm just on here now. He averaged 39 in New South Wales Cup, which is quite interesting. Scored nine tries in 18 games. Definitely does need this preseason and put a couple of kilos on here. But I guess the most interesting point of the New South Wales Cup last year was he actually put they actually put Xavier Savage on the wing and let, left him at fullback. So that might actually see where maybe Stewart maybe sees the future of both of them lie. 
Yeah, and I think it's also going to be good because you're going to have this guy at basement price and you're going to have KO Weeks at basement price. So I presume KO Weeks will get the dual position tag. So you'll have both as a wing fullback who you can kind of interchange from your emergencies and your starting lineup depending on how they're playing or who they're playing. Um, so I think they're both going to be goers. Yeah, and just a bit of news. My former love interest, Seb Chris, Metal Mouth, he is actually suspended for a couple of weeks. So he doesn't come back to round three, so we can pretty much scratch him off because I was looking at him because I knew his relevance in the centres if he was to move to the centres. But I guess that also makes... Uh, well, they have to start with someone else at fullback as well. So, you know, Seb Chris did finish last year. You know, he played the majority of the season at fullback. But, yeah, that pretty much rubs a line through him, B. Yep, exactly right. Unfortunately, piss off the Chris off. <laughs> now, three more in a very packed week of news. Now, da- Jason Demetrio, we'll talk about a little bit, obviously, in their South preview, but Jack Wyden, he is leaning towards Jack Wyden in the centres, which is no real surprise. I think that's kind of what we we're anticipating, but yeah, he's also another one that's rubbed out to, I think, round three or four as well with suspension B. Yeah, correct. And he's going to be one of those guys because he'll get a centre-half tag, I reckon. Um, And I think it's going to be one of those guys to watch uh, for, yeah, watch his price drop because he can only score so much in the centres. Although Isaiah Tass had an average of about 37, 38 on that left centre because he's obviously feeding Alex Johnson tries. So, um, you know, maybe it's a watch this space for Jack Wyden because we know what he can do. Absolutely, man. Well, he comes in priced at around 39, right? The last game, last couple of games, he scored 53 at fullback and 52 at centre. Another one, I, I like your thing about just watching it because effectively over a long course of a season, you know, Cody Walker's getting older, right? So if he sustains an injury at any stage and his price is totally dropped and then Wyden would move to 5'8", there could be some buy signals at some point, man. Yeah, there could there could also be the um, if Lachlan Ilias doesn't fire, they could put Cody Walker into the halves and Jack White and back at five eight. And if he's priced down at like a thirty five and at five eight scoring, you know your forty fives, there's your ten point value right there. Yeah, now moving to the Dragons, Jack Bird has had another interview and he's playing to be make a switch to the centres, mate. Like he's done the work, he's dropped the kegs, and he wants them to return to what he believes is his best position in the centres. He may well get it, depending on what happens with Tyrell Sloan, because I think the tiebreaker in this is Zach Lomax. Mm. Does does Zach Lomax go to fullback while Tyrell Sloan's out? In that case, that shores up, it gives you a centre option. Otherwise, it's it's Zach Lomax and Moses Sully every day of the week, you'd think. For sure. Now, last one, Adam Reynolds, mate. He's back at training, so he's back at training early as well. He's dropped a few kegs, and he's nominated Brendan Piacura as the likely successor to Capewell. Loving it. Yeah, I think we're all expecting it, especially after Cape War went and they've re-signed Piakura and Ricky. Um, yeah, I think he's he's the go. Yep, absolutely. Now, to finish things off, you know, nice new little <laughs> segment to finish. Now, I've got some baby news from around the traps because I think this is, given that we had Joseph Tarpany absolutely destroy our fantasy teams last year with little news that yeah, he could at least informed us of his upcoming birth of his child, but... We've had a little snoop around at Talking League. So the ones that my my researcher has found. Now, Reese Robson, he announced in July. Now, we're going to give most people announce after about 12 weeks. That's usually the standard. You've had two kids. You can confirm this, right, yep. B? Yep, 12 weeks. About 12 That's weeks. When you're, when you're in the clear. Yeah, perfect. So we'll just go off that sort of mathematics. And Reese Robson announced in July he was having a baby. So anticipation is he's going to be his wife's going to be due in probably January. Nat Butch is the one to watch, especially if... You are a draft player. I don't think anyone's going to be taking him anytime soon in Classic. 
but November announcement for a May delivery. Cameron Murray's an interesting one because he'll be racing the clock, especially with the Vegas coming up. August announcement, potential February date, which is very, very interesting. And we've also got, a, I think the three of them are all first-time fathers as well. So we've also got to kind of calculate maybe a little bit less sleep and them adjusting their lives to, to having a baby in there as well. Now, 2023 babies, I think you can pretty much rub a line through these guys about being unavailable because probably be unlikely that they'll probably go back to back in the same season, but it does happen from time to time. But Isaiah back Yo back in the same season. That's awesome. <laughs> Isaiah Yo, he had a baby in April. SJ, July, Joseph Tarpany, our hated man, April. Jermaine Hopgood, September. Dane Gagai, August. Scott Drinkwater, April. And Cameron Munster had a baby in August. So congratulations to all those gentlemen. But looks like they're probably in the clear for this two thousand and twenty four here, B. Yep. Very good. Nice. All right, let's move on to the bread and butter of the show. Now, why don't we start with Souths? I know a lot of people are going to be interested there. 2024 gains. We had Jack Wyden come out from the Raiders. Sean Kepi from Manly. 2024 losses. Hamley Sele, he goes to the Dragons. Blakey Taft to the Doggies. Jed Cartwright to the Knights. And Terrell Callow-Callow, he is unsigned here, B. But interesting draw to start because they've got a buy here, B, in round 7 and 13. So in terms of the top-level guys and the elite guys, I'm probably a little bit off them. Thoughts? Yeah, the only one I would have really thought of was Cam Murray because uh, he he did have a few of the smaller games where I think he ended up having a 57 average, and we mm. always know that he goes pretty gangbusters the start of the season, but those buys scare me off a little bit, um, and I'd rather pay up for the pain Haas, to be honest. Yeah, mate, back into the season, someone I loved was Dallas Duncan. Now, I'm not saying he's fantasy relevant, but I do think they have room here to maybe cut maybe five or six minutes off Cameron Murray, because essentially, he's playing the most minutes he's ever played in his career. It's 69 minutes. So every year, it's kind of increasing two to three minutes. Back four years ago, he was only playing 60 minutes, where I do think, given that Haas and Carrigan play around there, I do think they probably need to, especially over a long season, maybe look to manage him at some point. But your thoughts on that one? Yeah, no, I totally agree. That Talos Duncan's unreal, hey? I remember he... um. It was against the Bulldogs. They were down by like 12 with two minutes to go and Talos Duncan um, set the break up straight off the um, off the kickoff and it was unreal. He was backing up. I think he actually scored the try. Um, so I was just watching him go, oh, that, that kid's unreal. So um, yeah, maybe maybe he could be a, a look in, you know, potentially in that origin period um, when Cameron Murray goes away because I think he might get the 13 jersey while Cameron Murray's away. Yeah, now Cookie underperformed last year which means he starts the season priced in that early 50s. But He's 33 this year, man. So is there a potential that he does start getting managed? Uh, maybe. I, I don't think that really affects how they play. I think the thing you need to work out is who's going to be the 14. So if it's like a Havili who's playing 14, who plays hooker, mm. could probably spell Cookie for 10 minutes and then it probably doesn't make him worth it when you've got the, you know, the likes of you know, like a Reed Marnie or something who's 10 points less, who's got the same you know, same upside essentially for the, for the minutes. So... Um, but yeah, again, I also think it goes down to the two buys in the first 13 rounds, which is what puts me off Cookie. Yeah, uh, Tevita Tatola is an interesting one, mate, because he's going to be priced at 35. And we do know his relevance, especially like last year, he had a lot happening, right? He had these injuries, coming back from head knocks. Unfortunately, his father passed away. So he had a lot to deal with last year. But I do think that's someone that he's someone that I am looking at because I do think they need someone in the middle apart from Cam Murray to step up. He is a 50 to 55 minute prop who can score at one point a, uh, a minute as well, mate. So here's someone I'm very interested in. 
Yeah, my <laughs> it was actually after last week's show. I I went back onto my spreadsheet because you nearly convinced me into Tamalolo. <laughs> so, Mate, I'm keen on Tamalolo. Uh, yeah, so but because they've both got that same kind of average and they've got that same kind of output in the past in the last few years. So I I think it'll be one of those two because e- I think either of them could potentially have ten points of value. But I'd say track both of them in the preseason. But if you're buying a Totola. Uh, make sure you've got a decent mid on your yeah. either your interchange or your emergencies because of those early buys. For sure. Now, mate, just looking at him, seven games over 50 minutes, he averaged 43 in his 53 minutes. So that's eight points of value just there if he gets back to playing where we do we do think that he will. But, mate, who starts in the front row with him? Because they got Sean Kepi over from Manly, who did a, a pretty decent job, especially front end of last year. He did end up back onto the bench. They've also obviously got Burgess and a couple of young fellas. Do they move Arrow back to the middle? I think I think Burgess starts with Satola mm. uh, because I think I think Kepi's got the versatility where he can play lock, he can play back row, and he can play front row, um, and so can Jai Arrow. So I, th- I think they're the two perfect bench props in the forward rotation uh, should you then potentially get injury elsewhere. For sure, mate. Now, one on my radar, Tyrone Munro, young gun, played like four different grades last year just to show just how exciting he is. He's only 19 years old, has a 33 average, but he did score three tries in four games. If he does line up, he'll probably be on the right edge. I guess it depends what they want to do with Isaiah Tass. Is there any chance that they turn Tass into a, a right winger? I don't think so. I think they need to shop Tass around, to be honest. Um, I think they can get a decent return for him for teams who need an outside back, like Parramatta or the Tigers, maybe. Mm. Um, especially Tigers, they'll pay overs for anyone. So, <laughs> oh, um, Bulldog. Sorry. sorry yeah, <laughs> yeah, apparently. But look, t- uh, Tyrone Munro is not on my radar. I don't like paying high prices for wingers, especially when I know that their go-to side is the left side. It's Alex Johnson. So mm. how much is, is a right-side winger actually going to get? Like, yeah, let's, let's look at Dom Young potentially for the Knights last year who had a 40-odd average, but he was scoring tries for fun. Is Tyron Munro going to do that? And he has to do that to have any value. Yep. Otherwise, he's going to be losing your money. So he's, he's not on my radar one single bit. Interesting point because I definitely did attack right to start the season and then as they naturally do. Shift back over to the left. Interesting stat here, B, because no doubt they missed the finals because of this heavy toll to finish last year. Their last six games last year, Sunshine Coast, Tamworth, Perth, Cairns, Newcastle, and then finally in Sydney. This year's draw, they have their last six games in Sydney, which is quite interesting. Yeah, it might be, might be. Again, they've got the buys early, so they're going to be a team who I think will be getting targeted heavy at the back end of the year. Um, you'll also have an idea of which side they're going to go to, what the, the final positioning is for everyone. Like how we just discussed, back row, front row, and winger and centre. You know, there's not as much stability with Souths as we'd probably like. Mm. So I think they're a team that you'll you'll target at the back end. For sure. Let's move over to the Roosters now, mate. 2024 games, Dominic Young and Spencer Linu. They also just picked up that young guy from the Wallabies. I'm not even going to try and pronounce his name. I'm just going to call <laughs> the him the... password. Yeah, exactly. That's a good one. Wi-Fi, we'll call him that. 2024 losses, Fletcher Baker, Bronx, Jackson Polo to Manly, Matt Lodge to the Manly, Paul Momorowski goes to Leeds, Drew Hutchison to the Doggies, Jake Turpin to the Doggies. Corey Allen is currently unsigned. Nathan Brown to the Manly. Ben Thomas is currently unsigned as well. They lose Joseph Suwali here in the year after. Very interesting team here, B. Their draw is quite interesting as well because essentially they play only, they have only one buy in the first 
17 rounds. So I think at some stage we probably are going to be needing some Roosters guys here. But I do think the most interesting proposition here is the left edge spot because oh, well, one of the edge spots, depending on what they do with Butcher, it could be two really, because at the moment you've got Siwa Wong, Angus Crichton, Statili Tupanua, the two Butcher boys, all trying to fit into these two positions. At the moment, just having a look at where they might be priced, especially the th- uh, three I've mentioned first, Wong's priced at 32. We're going to have, what, Crichton also priced at 32 and Satili priced at 31. So he could get some nice mid-range edges here, man. Yeah, whichever one of those gets the start, you, you're going to have to take them. As well. I, I think Wong will get it. Um, mm. I love I loved what I saw from him at the end of the last so year. So did I, yeah. Um, Tupanua coming back from an injury and Crichton really not the player he was two, three years ago. So um, Wong's the future. I think they've, they've just re-signed him, so they're going to put a bit of faith in him. They've just signed Butcher, so I think those two guys are going to be the ones who line up on the edge. He's a big lump of a lab too, so I'm very interested to track his precedent form. But Angus Crichton, he's only 27, so I do think there's still a bit of juice left in him. I'm, I'm really keen. I hope so. Hopefully he's you know got off his off-field issues and you know he does come back to his best because literally he was at the World Cup this time last year. Yeah. Oh, he's a gun. I, I've, I've always loved having him in my team. Um, and yeah, let's just hope he gets back to his best. I, I, I think I mentioned this last week. I wouldn't be surprised if some other clubs make a play for Angus Crichton, so Roosters can you know move a bit of salary sombrero around. Um, and I think I think he could he could make a really good fist in a starting role somewhere else for a team that potentially needs back rowers. Mate, I'd love to see Teddy. Imagine a tight Teddy round six or seven. He's playing pretty good, but all of a sudden he goes, "Oh, I just want to play for the Roosters. I don't want to play for New South Wales anymore, mate." That would be a very juicy to be carrying James Tedesco not, during here. Yeah, not not going to happen though. He's he's the captain of New South Wales. Like funny things have happened, B. Yeah, true. Now, mate, Sam Walker. You know, I've always started the season with him. I think this might be the first year that I don't, mate. Now, he did make a great return to NRL football in the last two games and then into the finals as well. Last two games, he scored 54 and 56. So there's no doubt he's still got talent. Probably put a little bit more weight on there. But, mate, can you please make sure he's not in my round to one team, please, mate? Yeah, uh, mate, I will... will Quit talking league if you start with it. <laughs> Is that all Honestly, I have to do, how, mate? How about that? Yeah, that's how you get rid of me, apparently. No, Sam, look, there's going to there's gonna be... You're going to have one spot short up with Cleary or Hines, and then we all know that most of us are going to start with Fogarty because we've all just talked him up so much over the last month, um, and all the optics and metrics are there for a gun half. Mm. Sam Walker is still not proven as a gun half to start with. Um, so, yeah, just don't do it to yourself, listeners, and TK... No. <laughs> Thanks, mate. No. Now, Jarrier Hargraves, like I'm trying to find, if anyone has any information on this, cause I'm getting conflicting sources here that says he's suspended for round one. Some others say that he's appealed it and he may be right for round one. But I guess the more interesting debate here, we'll just assume that he's rubbed out for these first few se- uh, first few rounds. Now, Terrell May, he played very, very well back end of the season. Spencer Linu, we know what he brings to the table as well. Issue for both of these guys, they're not big-minute players, but one of them probably will be starting. Do they transition into a more bigger-minute players? Because these guys do rack up stats really quickly, just don't play enough minutes. Yeah, I I can see Spencer Lino doing it because he's just obviously played so many more games. And I could see him probably splitting like a 45-35 split with Terrell May. Because mm. um, who else? they got Lindsay Collins there. You can probably have Angus Crichton playing through the, front, uh, through the middle. 
Um, yeah, I haven't heard anything about this Jared Warrior Hargrave stuff either. I just presumed he was starting round one. So um, that'll be one to track as well. Yeah, cause I think they're trying to claim that the New, Ze- New Zealand games or something could count as his suspension. So, yeah, potentially. But yeah. I'll tell you what, I, I love that Terrell May. I'm um, I'm hoping that the Bulldogs make a play for him with his um, uh, connection with Seraldo and the whole family. Um, he's just he'd be great in that front row. Um, and with how many people the Roosters are re-signing, I wouldn't be surprised if he's potentially one of the odd men out. For sure. Now let's move on. Oh, one part to actually cover here: makeup of the three quarters here. B. Now, very interesting because. They've signed Mr. Wi-Fi. Now, they've also got Dom Young coming in. They've still got Sue Lee here on the books. No doubt Joseph Manu is the first one picked. Also got an ageing Daniel Tupo here on the books. How do you see them fitting in for round one? Oh, Sorry, Billy Smith as well. Sorry, mate. And yeah, no, they've... They have got about they got four positions to fill, and they got about eight quality guys. I feel to to put in that position. Um, I th- well, Joey Manu's there. It's it's as simple as that. Um, then and Suwali is he's a, he's a gun as well. So but I think he's not a center, a, right? He's not. So I I see him being on a wing. Um, Dom Yum, they bought for a reason. So, correct. So I think Daniel Tupo's the guy who's I out. I think so as well, man. And Billy Smith just got a new contract, finally showed the promise, mate. He's back in form. Sensational. Yeah, that's it. So I think Billy Smith is actually the other centre. And then Wi-Fi will be – he'll probably play New South Wales Cup to find his legs in rugby league. So Billy Smith. Bill, sorry, Daniel Tupo. Mate, he ended up averaging 39. So, and he had a couple of stinkers in between. So did have a high of 60. <laughs> he, ended the, he came back with 62 and 60. <laughs> yeah. Is it, is it Corby or Andy who always gets it? Corbs. Corbs loves Corbs, you. Uh, Cor- Corbs has got to start with him then just for... Shits you know. and giggles for sure. Yeah, why not? All right, let's move on to the Dragons here. Let me just find where they are. Here they are. Now, 2024 games, Hamlet Sele, Kyle Flanagan, Tom Eisenhuth from the Storm, 2024 losses, Jaden Sullivan, Zane Musgrove, Billy Burns, Tyrell Fayamuono, Jaden Hunt, Nick Louis Tozo, and Tao Tao Monga. He remains unsigned as well. Now their bye schedules don't have a bye till round 11. Play the first uh, 13 and the 19, and then just have a bye in the middle there. With the 16, plenty to talk about here, B. No doubt that Birdie's he's campaigning to move back to the to the centres. Tyrell Sloan currently injured. Does they have had Zach Lomax training at fullback? He's going to be priced at forty three, which for mine probably a little bit too high to have a look. Given we don't have a sample of him at fullback, man. Yeah, it's a it's again one of those ones where center. Yet I never start big on center mm. because it's just such a it's the it's the most volatile position in the entire game. You never know what you're going to get because of how they're playing, and I don't think forty three point scorer is going to be worth it when they're also unproven at fullback. So I, I don't see either of those guys as a buy. I think more interesting here, because I don't see too much fantasy relevance yet in this team, because we don't know how they're going to play. And I guess Flano back in the day, especially before the Sharks got some elite players, he used to have a very gritty game plan, which I do anticipate him becoming a very defensive team. The only thing that concerns me is Flano, even though he's been an assistant coach, he hasn't head coached in this new format, especially with the six against. The game is very fast, very attacking dominated. So it's going to be very interesting to see how he transitions his coaching because even when we won the comp, the Sharks were still a very, very good defensive team. So I do anticipate this team being very, very gritty. 
Yeah, I agree. And I I think that head coaches, they're not going to hire a head coach if they don't think they're adaptable to a new style of play of how the game's going. Flano's been a commentator as well, so he would have just been seen. He's not just sitting on the couch not watching football. Mm. So he would have seen what kind of tweaks he'd have to make if he was to be a coach, and that would have been part of like an interview process, I presume, on how, how would you coach it. Um, so I don't, I don't have an issue with... I, that's not going to come into my calculations if I'm picking Dragons players. An interesting one to track, mate. Viliami uh, Fafita, who they got over from Manly. Now, he's a young edge. And Daniel Russell, I think, is a deserved starter, I think, for round one, given what we saw at the back end of the season. Jaden Sewer also comes back. But Fafita's one to track because, no doubt, again, over a long season, it doesn't have a huge moto. He has played between prop and edge in the New South Wales Cup there as well. Only averaged 25 minutes in... Limited game time, didn't really play over 60 minutes, but one to track there. Yeah, I don't see him getting that starting spot, though. Um, I, I I know that people are like like Jack Bird saying, I want to play in the centres or in the back line somewhere. Um, I see Jack Bird playing back row. You know, I think Cole Flanagan's going to be the six. I think Lomax and Sully will be the eventual centres. Mm. Um, and there's too, too many other guys um, in there that I think they're not just going to throw in a rookie to, to be the starting back rower. Mate, have you, with Jack Bird, now, you had him at some point last year. I think I had him twice. Now, he did have... Because he suffers he suffers something similar to your wife's uh, issue, right? Yeah, rheumatoid arthritis. So, it um, affects the joints. Mm. Um, I'm, and uh, it can be quite debilitating. There's, there's drugs that you can take for it that you get prescribed at chemists and everything like that to um, alleviate it. But being a professional athlete takes it to that next level. So this what is also was, what... Yeah, what I was going to ask was more around the weight, him losing seven kilos. Surely that's a good thing for the illness, right? Yeah. Well, it's putting less pressure on joints as, as from what I could see. So it, it can only benefit him, but I still don't... Because uh, there's so much mobility that you'd obviously have to have to be an outside back, you know, change your direction, mm. um, pace, everything like that. So... You know, maybe five eighth could be his spot as well, where he can just be a dictating playmaker. But I just I do see him as a back rower. Yeah, who takes this starting front row spot? Is Sele or one of the Molo guys? Sele is one I'm really tracking. Honestly, I had him last year, yeah. um, and it was one of the best plays I made. It was either buying him or Sonny Luke. <laughs> so, got um, I dodged a bullet with Sonny Luke there, and um, Hamay Sele was great for me. So. If they give him that increased minute role, like he's capable of the 40s to 45s, and I think he's only priced at about a 33. Well, we saw what happened with like Blake Laurie last year, right? Because he got an additional what? He got a few additional minutes, and then especially at the start of the year, like he was racking up points. Like it only takes an extra, a different sort of role, and then not so many great players around you, and then all of a sudden you start picking it up. So I think Sele is a good watch list here, man. Cool. Now, I think that's about it relevance-wise. Apart from Sele, I wouldn't probably be having anyone else really on the radar there. Always going to yeah, track yeah. Birdie. We're going to get... Do you have anyone else? Yeah, I was going to say Kyle Flanagan. Um, he's priced at a 25 as a starting half. So, I, th- I think he's he showed what he could do at the Roosters. Get, granted, he was a half back then. Mm. And uh, Amone is not coming back anytime soon. So... I tell you what um, something I was interesting. This is great that you brought this up, actually, because it rings a bell now. I was listening to a, a Flano, not podcast, just an interview this week, and he was saying that at the moment at training, Cole's running the team because they see Ben Hunt, his running game is his real positive strength. So 
him being priced at 25, this is very interesting. There's no doubt they'll share the kicking game. But that's interesting to say that maybe Kyle maybe run the team and then Ben is more open to floating around and using his running game. Yeah, well, we've talked about this offline a little bit as well. Like with Ben Hunt declaring that, oh, he's not, he wanted to release and then he's like, no, nah, I'm committed to the Dragons and everything. Do they just start going, well, bugger you, mate. You can play nine. You, you do it at State of Origin. Yeah. I know he doesn't want to do it, but... Uh, you know, Jacob Little's not a world beater and Ben Hunt is a state of origin nine. So do yep. they do that and then put like a bird and Flanagan at the six and the seven? You know, there's, there's, there's more options there. But I do think Flano is one to watch, yep. um, especially with what we know he can do from an organizing halfback role like he did at the Roosters and like he did at the start with the Sharks. For sure. Now let's move on to the last team for our previews, mate. West Tigers, now uh, 2024 games, Latu Fafita, Sam Fif- uh, sorry, Fafita, Latu Fainu, Sam Fainu, Jaden Sullivan and Aiden Caesar. 2024 losses, Luke Brooks, Tommy Talau, Dane Laurie, Asati James, Rua Nagatakura, Little Cheese, he's gone to the Bears, Tookie Simpkins to the Dolphins. Brandon Wakem's unsigned. Tristan Riley is released. And Brandon Webster Mansfield is released. But, mate, tough goings here on the gains and losses to see where they actually do improve. Considering Adam Dewey as well, he might not even be back this year, B. Yeah, no, Adam Dewey's not coming back, I don't think. Um, he was touted to come back in June, but um, how, how bad his injuries were and how often he has them, I think it's just going to be a write-off for a season. Yeah, be with them having, because they've got a buy in round one and a buy in round 13. Like, it's one of those things in their final trial, because they've got a few uh, players that could be relevant here. The, the main guy would be Fainu, because do they play him like a Katoa role, starting him in the halves next to a, a season campaign like a Caesar, right? But we won't actually know till round two. Is it one of those ones that uh, if he shoots the lights out in the trials that we just lock him in? I think so, and I think if you're going to be doing that for round, play, teams who have a round one buy, they've got to be basement price guys because you need to be able to move them pretty quickly if you need to um, to pick up different cashies. So um, like the, the Fainus, um, maybe even oh, I think you'll get a good gauge of it in the halves because I think halves is where these Tigers are the most interesting. <laughs> yeah, I was going to bring Jason this up. Sullivan, yeah. with Nate Caesar, um, with the young Fainu, um how do they feel they're going to line them up? Um, so, yeah. It's always funny up. that, like, at training, all the trading footage you see, you see Benji Marshall just carving everyone up. Why doesn't he just yeah. come out of retirement and play? Yeah, maybe he's the half. Um, nah, he's... <sighs> yeah. Who, I love who, do, who do you see lining up round one right now? Right now, I see Jaden Sullivan and Aiden Caesar. I think they complement each other a lot better. Um, they've both got first-grade experience. Um, they brought Caesar back for a reason. The only worry I have with him is he's going to turn to Canberra, Matt Orford, and just not be good. Well, the thing is, so Sullivan's going to be priced at 31. Where do we anticipate Caesar getting priced at? Like a 600s, maybe? Another yeah, guy coming well, back from England? I think it's one of those ones where you need to look up his stats from England because that's how they've essentially priced him in most recent memory anyway. Like John Bateman coming back uh, had a 60 average. And they priced him at sixty. Yeah. So puts puts prices him out of it. If they price Caesar at like a, a thirty, maybe I'll have a go. But again, you got to be spoilt for halves as well. Yeah. The thing with Caesar here, B, like because last the two thousand nineteen season is his last year in the NRL. That's with the Raiders. 
He only scored 34 as a halfback there. Didn't have a huge amount of kick metres. He he didn't goal kick at all. We're anticipating he is going to goal kick now because he'd probably be the best on their books at the moment. But he's in a struggling team like the Tigers. Like, realistically, he probably is going to average where he's priced at if he, if he does get priced where you think he is. Yeah, he's not going to be one for me. Um, the only one who would be for me is for Finu uh, because of how cheap he would be. Mm. Um, but I think they're going to cannibalize. And at the end of the day, Tigers are still a bad team. So even if you give him goal kicking, he might only score an extra two two points in your, per week for your fantasy. Yeah, mate. One on the one of the more elite players on the watch list is Apicorosau. Now he's going to be priced at forty four. Last year, he played a little bit of halfback, a little bit of hooker to finish the season. No doubt that he played the last, what, six games of 80 minutes. Two of them games were at halfback, though. We're anticipating that they do either carry De Silva or Simkin on the bench, though, man. Yeah, I think they will. Um, it's a long season. Uh, I think they're going to manage Appy a little bit because I also think he'll play Origin. Um, and I, But again, the, t- the tiebreaker to take him out of potential round one buying is that he has a buy. Simple as that. He's yep. he's average. What did he average like forty four? I think it was forty three. Yep. Um, so there's going to be other hookers who are going to have a similar role um, that will be, be available round one. Interesting one that he's priced at forty four. His last four games at hooker, he averaged fifty two, seventy three, fifty six, and fifty one. So one yeah. to watch. But I do think that we need to see how it plays out with minutes and with. Your great suggestion, round one by. I don't think we can go near him. Yeah, he was also goal kicking at the end as well, and mm-hmm. I don't think he'll be goal kicking True. here now. So that you take away four to six points of that, probably makes him an avoid for round one. Great point. Now Sam Fainu, we brought him up early in the piece because he's going to be moving to the middle. Interesting one to track here. Probably won't see enough minutes, and we probably won't have an indication to get him from round one. But one to track here, B. Yeah, he'll he'll be priced too high, and he won't have the minutes available. They've got Clemmer there, they've got Uta Kamanu, um, and yeah, I just see him being a bench prop that won't won't do as much as you need him to. Yeah, now if Justin Olam doesn't make his way here, and they have some outside issues with the outside backs, especially with Naden, they had Josh Felity. He made his debut late in the season. Didn't score a huge amount against Manly, but he'll be bottom price. Again, he didn't score a huge amount in New South Wales Cup. Very, very inexperienced player, but he'll be in the mix given their top 30. Yeah, did he did he debuted last uh, last season, didn't he? Yeah, he played one game in the Manly game. I think he scored 21, but I'll look that up uh, while you speak. Yeah, so normally what I've seen the game do in the past yeah, is that they'll, they won't put him at basement price if he's already debuted. So um, they did it like with Luke Metcalf where he'd played one game. They priced him about 90K higher than basement price. Mm. Um, so if he's basement price, yeah, you know... You, you, if you if you need that, I think there'll be better options at basement price, like your Kale Iros, maybe like a Nick Cottridge who might get dual position um, in that with a little bit more certainty in what their role is going to be, um, and they're also in better teams. So yeah. Now, mate, watch that. back into the year, we got some good juice out of Johnny Bateman. Now, with the news of Blore, I think Blore will kind of determine his fate because I think if Blore stays, I think he might move into the thirteen. If Blore goes, I think you'll have to move back onto an edge. Yeah, I think he'll play the hybrid role anyway, mate. He'll play a bit on the edge, and then when Bloor comes on, he'll go to the 13. But, um, yeah, I loved Johnny Bateman last season. I um, I called it in Magic Round as well, and everyone was laughing at me. Um, but, you know, there you go. That's why I'm eighth in... In the universe, mate. In, in the universe, yeah. So, But, yeah, I do see it as a bit of a um, a hybrid role of what he's going to do. Um, I Again, though, he's going to be priced out of what you wanted to buy. 
um, unless he has has a couple of bad games and then you know drops to that forty five um, price point and then then you pick him up. Yeah, the only other one on my watch list, mate, is Justin Matamua. He had a handful of games last year, average at fifth at fifteen here, mate. But he got highly touted in the last preseason. There's no doubt that there is some opportunities always at the Tigers. So I think he's one that we should definitely put in the black book. Yeah, I rate him. I really like him. Um, I just I don't see where he fits in this squad. How it sits right now, like they've mm. like how is this team run last with a front with a pack that good. You got John Bateman, who's an international. IPAP, who's an international former back row of the year. Clemmer's unreal. Appy's state of origin. Stefano's state of origin. Bloor's unreal. Um, how do you how do you be so bad? Pole. Like, he's good. Twally. Twa- Pole's like, good. Yeah, Pole. Like they've got some really, really good players. It's just this back got- line, mate. This back line, apart from Jerome Buller, it is pretty embarrassing, man. Like, I don't know where how they're going to get off 17th, mate. Oh, yeah. There'll be someone who who won't be as great, but and, and Benji being a rookie coach as well. Like, what what's he going to do? Is it going to be a, a massive flop, or is he going to bring it, implement some form of game plan they haven't seen, reinvent the game kind of thing? I, mm. I don't know, but I don't see them going well, mate. Let's end on Dream the Dream Buller because he was a great cashier last year. Ended up finished thirty eight, but I think that was kind of brought down by that last kind of six games where, well, last seven games he didn't he didn't score over forty. So realistically, he was average, actually averaging well over 50. But does that actually – are you interested at all, given at no. some point? No. No, not for me. Again, round one by, no interest. Not wanting to – think about if he's got a 38 average and Ryan Pappenhausen's playing round one, mm. who are you taking? Or Pappy for sure, bro. There you go. So um, he's not, not goal-kicking. There's that vers- that um, volatility of where you can score a 12 because you're playing fullback for a terrible team. Um, he was also relying a lot on try saves. I found last year, mm. um, where he was making <laughs> <Of course>. some <laughs> Tigers team. Yeah, yeah. There, there you go. So he, there was, his stats are probably inflated a little bit there. Also, because he was so unknown, there was probably not as much footage of him for coaches to, I guess, do their research on what he's going to do and how he's going to play. But then once the season went on, got a bit more of a look at him, what his tendencies are, and started scoring a little bit less. So um, yeah, not not for me this year. Nice. Well, B, that brings us to the final team of our previews. Man, it's been fun, and thank you for your thoughts all the way through preseason. We'll have a little break now, mate, and we'll come back in January and we'll rock and roll. Yeah, happy days. All right, ladies and gentlemen, that's probably our last one, unless a stack of news come out. If a stack of news comes out, then I potentially might run just a quick one next week. But if we don't, thank you for all your, your support over the years. We love oh, over the years, three years. We love interacting with you, obviously, on the socials, and, yeah, we've built a nice little community here. So I just want to wish you all a Merry Christmas and a Happy New Year if I don't talk to you next week. And hopefully, um, I've got a sneaking suspicion we're going to see some prices drop this week. So, yeah, be on the lookout for that. Just definitely head over to maybe nrl.com would probably be the best site, I think, for you to get your official news. But I think, yeah, from there... The earlier they release the prices, the earlier the Talking League will come back officially. So look out for probably somewhere in the mid-Januarys. But before then, I'm pretty sure the boys will be doing Talking Sport and some Talking Shit. So be on the lookout for those episodes. But till then, stay safe and we'll check you soon.